step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and it's already weird season in the NHL. <laughs> that didn't take long. <laughs> Three games in and it's the weird season and it's not like we expected this to not happen, but the Nashville Predators had a postponed game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Four players tested positive, four plus one that was already on the list, or the COVID-19 mm-hmm. list for the Carolina Hurricanes, including plenty of players that are on the ice against the Nashville Predators on Monday night. Predators did practice today, and they're still planning on making the trip to Dallas for their games this weekend on Friday and Sunday. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we'll touch on this more, but the signs of it all that – they may have been exposed and we may not know for a few days due to the incubation period with this virus. So it's, they're, they're obviously taking the proper protocols as much as possible, but still pressing forward a little bit. It's just mm-hmm. hopefully that the Carolina players that they're doing okay and mild symptoms that they weren't able, they didn't pass it on to others and that their families are doing okay too. So don't want to make light of it. I know I said weird season, but it's, that's just how it's go- going to be this season. They're going to press through. Yeah. And we talked about that last week and a lot of people are talking about it. We, we anticipated this. We didn't know it was going to be so soon, three games in. Um, but we also said that you, nobody's blind to the fact that most all the teams at some point are going to be affected by this during this 56 game season. Um, and like you said, that's, that's the way the science behind this works. I mean, they could, they could seem like they're unscathed right now and then a few days could pass and then all of a sudden the Nashville Predators and the Dallas Stars are affected. You just don't know. So you just kind of have to, you just kind of have to roll with it and, and hope for the best. And how about this coming through? The Washington Capitals fined $100,000 for violating COVID protocols. The National Hockey League announced that it has fined the Washington Capitals $100,000 for player violations of the league's COVID-19 protocols, which involved social interactions among team members who were in close contact and who were not wearing face coverings. The league is taking that seriously. I just wish they would take dangerous hits seriously like that. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Hmm? You have something that's like $5,000 for a dangerous hit that could really affect somebody's life. Yeah, COVID affects your lives too. And they're, obviously you can tell they're trying to take it seriously here, but let's get some consistency here, folks. <laughs> but also to the Washington Capitals and to any other team playing around right now, just get it together. What is you doing? What is you doing? What is you doing? Just, were they not listening? We were just talking about Weird Wednesday and how this season has started out. And oh now- my goodness. And this, we touched on this last week too. I mean, you have to trust that every single person and every organization is doing the right thing. And it sounds so Canadian, in some cases, <laughs> in some cases, not everybody does. I actually am drinking out of a Tim Hortons mug right now. So I'm oh, feeling very Canadian. That explains why you said organization. <laughs> That's the only way to say it. 
Growing so up in Mississippi, I didn't say it like that, but I do now. No, you definitely. Wow. <laughs> what a what a change. What a change. But it shows the league is trying to take this. It's obviously sending a message. Message has been sent to teams. Don't violate protocols. It's only mm-hmm. going to make things worse for your team. It's going to make things worse for your organization as well, because it's going to be a lot of money. You can only imagine what the organization may be looking at and saying, okay, who did it? Who did it? It's coming out of your paycheck. Because $5,000 is nothing to a player. $100,000 is definitely something to a player. It's like a small late fee, I guess, yeah, to a that's, player for a parking ticket. 100K <laughs> is, is, a, is a big fine. Like That's a chunk of change because when you think about what a minor league player makes – for minor leaguers, that's sometimes their salary <laughs> for, yeah, for a that's season. That's very true. That's very so, true. So that is a big, big fine that the league's imposed on the Capitals. We'll see what that means for the future. Uh, but it is one of those things that the Predators, and speaking to them after practice today, they're abiding by the protocols. They're still planning on traveling. It's definitely weird. Uh, the thing that I asked to some of the players was, hey, a little extra practice time. With this condensed season, they're not going to have much time to actually practice and do practice. We're going to see plenty of times they have it scheduled, but they cancel it, especially after a win. Cause these guys are going to be really tired. 56 games squeezed in to what we have <laughs> a is, a, is a lot. So practice is going to be only when you really absolutely need it to work on something. So they went for over an hour today, went for about an hour and a half hour, 35 hour 40. So they worked hard today because they didn't play yesterday. So I asked John Hines and I, I asked uh, Mark Borvietsky about this as well. And yeah, they agreed. It's, it's a time to work on something that this way to spin it positively is that mm-hmm. when you didn't have a game, at least you have this extra practice time to work a little bit harder because then you can address some things you want to in practice time. And you're not going to get that all the time. Borvietsky also said he broke in a new pair of skates, which is good. He, <laughs> he heated them up and he wore them for a there long period go. of time. I can only imagine how much his feet hurt. Uh, but let's look at the first three games of the season and our thoughts on those. Uh, so first of all, just your overall thoughts on the first three games and how it's been going for the Predators so far this season. I think for me, I'm appreciating the speed um, and the consistency in that regard that I'm seeing in this last third game um, when the Preds fell four to two, when technically, you know, the last one was an empty net goal, but um, there were some defensive lapses that were a little concerning, but nothing that can't be addressed and fixed. I think that kind of stuff will come with the structure that John Hines was talking about. Um And with that structure, you can kind of rely a lot on the players hockey IQ when they know where they need to go out there, where, who they need to be watching. Um, They can kind of depend on that instead of just being out there kind of flailing around. Like sometimes all teams have seen players do and you're like, what (laughs) don't haven't you played before um so we haven't really seen a lot of that at least I don't feel like I have I feel like like I said there have been some defensive lapses but that kind of stuff can be can be corrected so I think overall for me I've been pleasantly pleased I, I like what I'm seeing um always room for improvement but I think considering the past year that they had all experienced as well they still came out looking like a really solid team I can agree. And that's one of those things looking at the team overall and the makeup is a different kind of energy right now. And again, it's early. I understand that folks It's early, but you want them to come out starting and looking good instead of looking bad and hoping that they get better. It's better to come out guns a blazing. Like you said, like you said before in the past, it's, it's better to come out like that, and then you might have a little bit of a dip, but you know what you're capable of doing. We've seen this with teams in the past with the Predators that they had a great October, right? Then they dipped down and just got into a funk. 
Mm-hmm. It was a tease because we saw what they're capable of doing and they could never reach that point. But you'd rather know what you're capable of doing instead of being awful and, re- and then being awful for the rest of the season and never realizing your potential. Now they've shown they have potential. you can kind of get back to that, you know? Right. You can get yeah, back can, to that when you know what you're, what you're working with. You can plan for it to get back to that. You can mm-hmm. try to do everything possible to try to get back to that as well. And so the Predators come out with a different kind of energy. Power play second unit needs some work. The penalty kills look good overall. They definitely look more difficult to play against by adding the Borvietsky and Benning. They haven't looked like a liability out there, and that's the big thing there for that third pairing. Uh, Richardson, Cousins, they're adding that physicality as well, plus a little bit of a veteran leadership from, from Richardson and popping in a goal. Depth scoring has played a role. Overall against Carolina, you could tell after the game they felt like they played a strong game because they weren't – pissed off <laughs> they weren't frustrated as much because they know they played a good game and Forsberg said it was a winnable game we should have won that game you had to go pucks go off the post and all of a sudden the transition game happened that's what Hines wants to fix is the transition game after those opportunities but they had some domination in the offensive zone that any team would would kill for it, mm-hmm. they wore the Carolina down at times Carolina is a fast team plenty of youth lots of talent and there were some times where it seemed like a minute and a half two minutes straight of puck possession and cycling in zone time so they played overall a good game and that's what you want to see him build off of are good games like that instead of just being dominated no the Predators were in that game like you said it was an empty net goal it was a 3-2 game mm-hmm. basically it was a 3-2 game and they're absolutely in that one right there aside from a couple lapses which you're going to see early on in the season but you fix those things and you get better it showed right there to you that this team is capable of competing with the other teams in the division that are vying for that are truly vying for a playoff spot. Carolina, I think, is one of those teams that could be one or two in this division and by the end. So for them to be able to compete with them there, that's why I really wanted to see, obviously, how the Predators responded in game two against them in the series to see what they did and what they adjusted to. And the players did as well. That's why I said it kind of sucks because they were kind of amped up and ready to go because it's already game day. And yep. then all of a sudden, nope, sorry, it's postponed. Change plans, yeah. Now you have to wait a few days. And you've lost a little bit of that adrenaline, you know, from the right. night before. It's, right. It can be very tricky, but it also is going to show, it's going to be a true testament to all teams um, to show how they come out of these scenarios and how they still show up for games despite having a little bit of a delay. Absolutely. So very curious to see what happens there. Remember, you can always watch the Zoom videos that we're recording with uh, their player interviews. I actually feel like I have more access now because I can do it after practices and I yeah, wasn't always able to be at the rink. And so yeah. we have more access to the players actually because of work day's jobs to, to get questions answered from the coaches and, and, and the players themselves. So penaltyboxradio.com on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Make sure you're following me. Please, please, please follow me. Justin B. Bradford. Please, please love please, me. <laughs> please love me. And and you can get that inside information just in terms of the, the player interviews and everything. So up next, really excited about this because the NWHL season is starting up this weekend. They're going to have a bubble up in Lake Placid. So they're going to go some round robin games and right into the playoffs. But we have Leon Strollo of the Ice Garden joining us next to talk NWHL. That's up next here on Penalty Box Radio ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And now it's time to switch gears and talk NWHL. That season is starting this weekend, and it's going to be a very unique season. Actually really excited about this because it's going to give you a great opportunity because there's a big TV deal, especially for the Isabel Cup that's going to be going on. And we're welcoming now Leanne Strollo, and she's with the Ice Garden. Does a lot to just cover sports all over the place. So Leanne, welcome to the show. 
Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's just start off with this because a lot of people may not be familiar with what's going on in the NWHL this season because it's been weird. I mean, there's people still questioning what the taxi squad is in the NW in the NHL because we've been hearing about it for a month. and still don't know. So obviously the uniqueness of the NWHL season is going to be out there. The questions are arriving. So just a broad view of what is going on this season, how are they taking care of it? They're having a bubble and then going to go straight into playoffs, right? Yes. So the NWHL headed into their sixth season. Um, They haven't played a game since March 8th of 2020. So it's been a very long time. Um, And yeah, they're headed to a bubble in Lake Placid. They're going to be the first women's professional uh, teams to put on any type of professional tournament on uh, the ice at Herb Brooks Arena. (laughs) Um, So that's really exciting. A first there. And then, yeah, like you said, they're getting a TV deal. So the semifinals and the final uh, game matchup will be on NBCSN, which is, again, the first time that a women's professional tournament will have uh, live cable coverage. So that's really big deal. Probably a lot of new eyes on it, which is awesome. And what does that mean for this sport, too, that is still gaining ground? Obviously, there's a lot of popularity with it as it continues to grow. What does that mean for the sport to have that national TV type of coverage? And granted, yes, people can watch online. There's been streams of it and growing. But to just push it out there to a national TV audience, what does that mean for the growth of the sport? Yeah, I think, you know, when you talk about women's sports, I know it's a big thing that they say in women's hockey specifically, if you can't see it, you can't be it. And it's kind of the same thing. If you can't see it, you can't watch it too. Um, So yeah, they have a really good Twitch deal where you can watch those games on Twitch, but you have to tune into that. You have to know where to go. Um, And a lot of people just don't take that step. The casual viewer doesn't always take that step. So uh, the idea that, you know, literally millions of people could just be flipping through their TV channels and, and stumble upon it is such a big deal. Um, hopefully, especially for a lot of young girls that get to watch this and, and see this for the first time being there, and then they can see it and they can be it. And Leanne, I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper into them playing in Lake Placid, which a place that has such a rich history with the U.S. men's underdog team in the 1980 Olympics. Um, this is obviously an incredible moment in time for the NWHL to be able to leave their mark on history of hockey in this exact same location. So I just want to get your personal overall thoughts on how the game has grown from where it started in 2015 to where it is now, which is what you just said, being broadcast on Twitch and NBC. Yeah, it's a, it's a really big deal. Um, So I think the biggest, at least, you know, measure that we can really see and and point to specific numbers is the Twitch deal. Um, They signed a three-year contract with that beginning prior to last season, and it had over 8 million views in that season alone. And this was really the first time, um, with the exception of the Olympics, that we could ever kind of gauge just how many people are watching women's hockey. And obviously the Olympics is a huge pull no matter what. Um, Because really anybody that puts on, you know, the USA or Canada sweater is going to get people watching. Uh, But, you know, to have our own teams in this league and stuff and and be able to say, hey, 8 million people tuned in to watch that is such a big deal. Um, And I mean, they all kind of say and we all kind of say that, you know, it's just going to keep getting bigger. And hopefully this proves to even NBC, who for the first time is putting this on, they're going to be like, wow, maybe we should have done this five years ago um, and and pick Mm -hmm. up more games next season. And looking back at last season, the Pride dominated last season, um, ending the regular season with a 23-1 and record. Um, they were on the heels of winning their second cup before the games being canceled due to COVID. Um, I know the majority of their core is returning, and so we can all imagine that they're going to come out guns a-blazing, ready to finish what they started last year. But just from what you've seen of the other teams there's a lot of other teams that are coming in with that depth, that determination, that substance um, that we're looking for, that's going to provide a lot of entertainment for people. So is there anybody 
or maybe a few people in particular um, that, that we should look out for? Definitely. I think overall, um, every other team has built an incredible roster that, that far surpasses what we've seen in the past. And we actually just found out today that uh, teams will be rolling with dressing 12 forwards instead of nine to 10. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, adding a whole nother line in there where we're, we'll be playing, you know, four line hockey for pretty much the first time in the NWHL um, is going to change the game too. Um, but I think overall, there's so many teams that have really bulked up on their rosters too. I think the Riveters, um, Metropolitan Riveters have signed some incredible names. They're nobody to sleep on. Um, but also just in general, the nature of the way that they're playing, they're going to be playing eight to nine games in a two week span. Whereas usually that would be like a two month span for NWHL play. Um, maybe a little bit less than that, but it, you know, if the pride have a bad three days, that could be three bad games, you know? And, yep. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you've got three losses already. Um, so I think with this tighter schedule, more compact, you're going to see a way elevated um, style of play and just competition. And, and also this is the ice of, you know, the underdog taking it all. So I think the pride need to watch out a little bit. <laughs> oh, a nice little warning there. Uh, again, Leanne Strollo of the Ice Garden joining us to talk NWHL season starting this weekend, taking place in Lake Placid in a bubble there. And a new team joining the Toronto Six, joining the league, so continuing to grow, it seems, as much as adding the Minnesota Whitecaps before the Toronto Six. So it's getting into the six teams now, which is continuing to grow with this league. What do they add to this besides the international aspect of this league too? But what do they add to that? And what does it mean for this league too, to be adding teams and giving more women a place to play professionally? Yeah, I think um, I, I said to somebody else that they add, I think an element of professionalism. I mean, they showed up, they took Digit Murphy, who's got incredible coaching experience at the women's level of, of all levels uh, within the women's game. So they've got someone behind the bench already who, even without looking at the roster, you're like, you know, this is a good hockey team. Um, and just the ability to pull those players from Canada. You know, it's been two seasons pretty much that Canada hasn't had a professional women's team. Um, so there's really no place for, for places for these players to go. I mean, already they've grabbed up some players that were on rosters on other NWHL rosters in previous years. Um, like Emily Fluke is, is a big name that they took from the pride um, who played there last year. So uh, just a lot of professionalism, a lot of experience on that team. Um, they definitely bring that to the league and they're going to be no one to mess with. Uh, the, the Whitecaps, like you said, they were an NWHL expansion team, but they had, you know, been a roster that played uh, independently for years before that. So the six are really the first like true uh, expansion team, if you want to call it that. Uh, but they're signing a lot of really experienced players and assuming they can mesh well together, I think they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be like a, a team of rookies by any means. And just being able to bring that Canadian fan base. It's, you know, this is more hockey in Canada, which is, is a big deal. You know, they love it up there. So hopefully they, they've garnered a huge fan base already. Yeah, can't get enough hockey, especially. <laughs> so looking at this too, and so to help people get more familiar, you dropped a few names there. And there's obviously plenty of names that people should know and get to know. Who are some of the, the future stars of this league that maybe that there is their, their, their first season, the rookie season, or their sophomore season? What are some names that people should be looking out for to say, hey, this person should be on your map right now and keep an eye on them? Yeah, definitely uh, right off the bat, the name Sammy Davis comes to mind. She was the number one overall draft pick in the 2020 uh, draft. She's out of Boston University. She was the captain there. Absolutely incredible player. Um, it's so weird to think that the pride – will probably look better <laughs> offensively than they did last year because they were nearly perfect. But I think she's definitely going to add to that. 
Um, also Soroya Tinker, a defender out of Yale is playing for the Metropolitan Riveters. I would say watching them play the past couple of years, one of their bigger struggles was defense and they've really bulked up on that this year. She's a great addition. Um, Haley Mack is going to be playing for the Minnesota Whitecaps and they, I always consider them a very like fast disciplined team. They take very little penalties and um, one of their bigger issues, I don't want to say was scoring because they were obviously a very good team, but just, you know, the pride knew how to drive up that score really, really high all the time. Great offensive talent. The Whitecaps are a little bit more of like a low scoring team and, uh, you know, didn't have those type of players that are going to show up and put like six points on the board in a game. And I think she will be able to do that for them, um, which is scary because they were incredible last year already. <laughs> uh, those are some names that come to mind for sure, as far as their rookie season goes, but coming back, uh, Rebecca Russo did not play last season and she re-signed with the Riveters uh, as well as Kelly Babstock um, who broke some Canadian hearts when she signed with the six and then was traded for draft picks to oh. the Riveters. <laughs> the, the, it doesn't matter which league, the drama is always there. <laughs> so a couple more questions for you to let you go. We're seeing more international players too come to this league and obviously that's what you see in the, in the NHL that it became, that's the league that people from not North America wanted to come to play because it was the best. So how important is it for the NWHL to be attracting players that are coming from Europe or coming from Russia, realizing that this is the place where they can come to play professional hockey, be the best women's league that there is? I think it's really important. I think there's always an added layer when you're talking about women's sports um, in comparison to the men, just because so much of it revolves around you know the financial situation a lot of players you know they'll go to college in the United States and then they go to the SDHL or you know go to Russia and play because that's really where the money is now um, which is why the NWHL existing and being the first North American League to pay its players was such a big deal even if it isn't you know a sustainable living wage just yet um, I think that's really the goal for them I would say um, is you know they want to be the elite talent they want to be the number they, they want to be the NHL uh, of the of the world maybe with a little less drama but definitely <laughs> want to be that that league that attracts players so I think being able to to put together a league that one is consistently paying and hopefully over the years can pay more um, but also you know being that place that players feel comfortable to be in and hopefully uh, can can stay at home I mean as much fun as a lot of these players say the SDHL and and going to Europe and stuff is um, I'm sure a lot of them want to stay home and, and, you know, be in the United States and Canada and really make that the greatest place to play hockey. All right. So last question, we have to let you go. Your pick, as you said, it's going to get weird and like a three game losing streak could change everything, but who's your pick to win the Isabel cup this season? Yes. I think the pride are still going to make it all the way there and have sort of an easy, easy ride, not as easy last year, but an easy ride there. But I think um, with the way that the, riveters have added to their roster i really think they're going to show up and just bring the grit factor and not go home without the cup all right love it <laughs> heard, heard it here first folks exactly. heard it here first well leanne we really do appreciate your time thank you so much for giving some insight as well and we'll be touching base throughout this season as well i know it's short but we want to make sure to keep up with this so if you want to get more news on the NWHL, make sure you're following Leanne on Twitter. There, she'll be tweeting that stuff out. Lots of great folks cover the NWHL. Follow them, interact with them. That's how you grow the sport, folks, is you have to talk about the sport and demand that it is seen and shown on these networks. You have to tune in, you have to watch, grow those numbers and show our support for this game. So Leanne, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, full, full agree there. Can't even add to that. <laughs> <laughs> 
right up next on penalty box radio we have will morrison he is from montgomery bell academy with the hockey team they're tied for the lead league in points the g nash their greater national areas classic hockey league playoffs are underway and nba is the number one seed head coach of jp dumont uh coaching that team former national predators we'll talk with will up next here on penalty box radio on espn 1025 the game Folks, welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. Now time to change gears and talk some high school hockey. Gene Ash from Montgomery Bell Academy. We have Will Morrison joining us. Will, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. So Montgomery Bell Academy, you're playing for the number one seed in the Preds Cup right now, and you guys have plowed through this season at Gene Ash. Just what's it been like this season for you so far? Um, well, obviously COVID, it's been a very interesting season. Uh, we're fortunate for every game we've gotten to play this, this season. Um, so we play every game like it's our last game, pretty much. That's what Coach Dumont and the, retro, the rest of our uh, coaching staff has basically been telling us to do. And this season, you guys outscored your opponents. So folks get this. 99 goals for and only 10 goals against. <laughs> what, what does it say about the team structure that you guys have together too? Because you can't have that type of goals against if the whole team isn't playing as a collective unit. It's not just the goaltender. It's not just the defenseman. It's everyone playing together to have that little goal. So what does it speak about your team structure and how it's built? Uh, we gen- So we start with defense. We generate all of our offense from our defense because our defense – um, we're going to be, they'll be putting pucks in the back of our net. We do not want that at all. Uh, so coach Dumont really, uh, helps us focus on our defense and that all starts in our practices. Well, I wanted to kind of touch on what you had just said a little bit ago. Obviously this year has been incredibly different for all of us and we've had to get used to a new normal, if you will. Um, what has it been like for you, not only as a player, but as a student as well, just personally, how have you been navigating this space while trying to give your best to school and to your sport? Well, so during COVID, obviously, uh, MBA, the academic rigor is pretty tough. And so balancing that with hockey and the uncertainty of ice time and all the games, uh, it's, it's been pretty tough. Uh, getting dressed outside the rinks uh, when it's really cold outside. That was something I'm not looking forward to again. (laughs) Yeah, it's very interesting how the year's been going for sure. And so JP Dumont comes in and obviously it's a, he's a former NHLer. He also coaches junior hockey and everything too. And he, he can see pretty intense, you know, watching some of these games. He's, he's yelling at you guys about earning your ice time and hearing that. And sometimes he's yelling in French First of all, have you learned any French while playing under JP? Uh, none at all. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, what has it been like, too? Because we're seeing more and more in Middle Tennessee, people that have experience that have played professional hockey or they did a lot of things in college hockey, they played junior hockey, that have had careers in playing these sports. So what's it like been, been playing under JP Dumont, knowing that you're playing under former NHL, or what has that helped bring to the team? I mean, it's been a lot of fun. We balance uh, being very serious and being fun all the time. And uh, a lot of that seriousness, seriousness comes off in our games, like game day, game time. We're all serious. 
it's no, no fun in games, but uh, that that's just how he coaches really. So the practices, um, high tempo, everyone's involved, which is awesome. Um, we don't like standing around. Yeah. <laughs> no, can definitely see that. And, and leading to my next question too, been watching some of your games, I've seen plenty of them this season. You guys are able to establish a ridiculous cycle where sometimes I think I've seen where it's minute and a half, two minutes straight of just puck possession. Does that, is that fun? I know it's serious and all business, but is that fun for you on the bench or when you're on the ice too, and you just know you're having puck possession, you can do it when you're just toying with the opposition. Of course, that's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> well, uh, fortunately we've been able to beat teams pretty handedly and that allows us to practice a lot more of our systems that coach Dumont has installed, which there's a lot of them. And uh, it's been kind of mind blowing the, the stuff we've been able to learn from him. Uh, but yeah, that it is a lot of fun uh, being able to move the puck easily out there. And especially with my line, uh, Luke Haley, Tyler Lobb, uh, we've been playing travel hockey together on uh, the same team for high school, of course, and travel for over two years now, maybe three. Uh, I kind of lose lose track of it, but we kind of know where we are on the ice at all times, even if we're not looking really. So you mentioned you mentioned line mates there. So you and Luke both forty one points. Tyler thirty six points. That means you three for your team have combined for a hundred eighteen points in fourteen <laughs> games. <laughs> that is those are just crazy numbers crazy good numbers as well so first of all were there any bets between you and luke in terms of who's going to get the lead and were you a little disappointed that it ended up being a tie uh <laughs> obviously stats are important right uh, but the most the thing that's more important for us is getting the win but we do kind of have like an inside joke Let, let's pad the stats who's gonna get the most tonight it it's like a, a healthy competition throughout the game Okay. that's a very very safe answer right there well very very safe but but a very good answer as well very good team friendly answer so coming up in the playoffs you guys are obviously the number one seed and you're going to be taking on uh, pope john paul uh and so they've been a team that we've seen can be a little pesky at times and they do have a little bit of speed and i mean they had they've had plenty of wins as well they had a good win against centennial which was a tight game i watched that before my own rec league game and that was a tight one there too What's it like game prepping now for playoffs? I know you talk about it being serious, but obviously playoffs are another story and you have the eye on the prize, which is winning the cup. So what's the game plan like for going against JP2? Uh, well, they're a pretty big team. They've got – they just added two, uh, I believe, football players that are able to uh, play on the team now. And then we didn't get to play them when their uh, number one goalie was in, I believe, Farrar. Uh, but we, we kind of know who they are, what to expect. And we just got to come out hard first five minutes, keep it simple, pucks deep, and just win all the battles in the corner. Exactly. Okay, get to the dirty areas, pucks in deep, 200-foot <laughs> game, right? All, all those things. We got them all. We got them all. So now we're going to do some get-to-know-you questions. Before Glenn goes, I have a couple. I have a couple get to know you questions. So you being a Ford and everything and from the area, are there any predators that you kind of modeled your game after or looked at up to a lot when you were growing up? Um, I don't know about predators. I've always liked <laughs> uh, David Legwand. Okay. All right. But, uh, I guess 
if I had to say one forward who I kind of model my game after is probably Nathan McKinnon. Oh, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Glenn, over to you. All right. Just a little lightning round for you, Will. Favorite hockey movie? Oh, gosh. Goon. Nice. All right. Oh, hold, any- on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Goon. What is that rated? <laughs> and Anyways. when did you first watch this? No. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. Go ahead. All right. Any game day foods you like to eat? Um, it's always pasta before game day. Almost always. Love it. I need to play hockey so I can have a good excuse to eat pasta all the time. Um, any binge shows that you watch during quarantine? Ooh, uh, definitely Outer Banks. That was a great show. Really like that. Um, and then I guess right now that, that was my favorite one during quarantine, but right now I'm kind of watching uh this show called arrow based on like the marvel uh green arrow it's pretty good okay okay all right your favorite hobby outside of playing hockey gosh um i'm going with the deep stuff here (laughs) (laughs) definitely hanging with my friends uh playing pickup basketball at, at school on the weekends yeah all right. And the arena that you would love to play in the most, if you could play in any one. Um, that's a good one. I've been, so with the junior Preds, like, I don't even know how many years ago, probably five years, five years ago, uh, we were able to go to the Pittsburgh Penguins game in Pittsburgh. I forget the name of the arena, but that was a very cool ring. Awesome. So love you, it. you mentioned Marvel then. So I got to ask who's your favorite superhero? Ooh, wow. Probably Thor. Thor. All right. Bring me Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> well, Will, best of luck to you in the playoffs. Really good getting to know you and catching up with you. Uh, you guys obviously have a really good thing going on at NBA. So best of luck in the playoffs, man. All right. Thank you. all Appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. you. All right. So Will Morrison, Montgomery Bell Academy, 41 points in 14 games, Glenn. <laughs> I mean, I like somehow my body got sore thinking about playing that well (laughs) actually playing that much anyway to be able to (laughs) to be able to score that much that's wild and Montgomery Bell Academy had two players of 41 points in 14 games that's wild went 14 and 0 on the on the regular season yeah they're so for those of you that don't know Gene Ash usually will play kind of two seasons almost give you a regular season where they play each other once and then they separate them into two different levels where you have your Preds Cup and Hind Cup Hind Cup is the relegation league and they play each other for the hind cup and then you have the preds cup they play each other for the state championship and this year they skipped the second round the relegation round basically and went straight to playoffs so they made sure they finished the season uh, so usually the season will go into like march or early march late february this year they're obviously ending it a little bit early so it's it's high intensity time right now and nba takes on jp2 coming up on friday but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Remember, stream those games. You can stream a bunch of these games. Not all of them because we can't beat every rank, but you can stream on a penalty box here on Facebook. And it's been a lot of fun to do that. All right. Up next, Q&A time. We had some fun questions come in, especially one pertaining to a brand new Bernie Sanders meme. <laughs> <laughs> That's up next here in Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackle, producer Max taking care of us behind the glass. Really appreciate you, Max. You're, you're a good dude. Thanks, Max. 
He's he's always great. He got he has us covered he, all the time. He is. So great talk there with uh, Will Morrison of MBA. It's it's real fun that high school hockey is happening and that we have so many great things to talk about with them and NBAs as you can just tell with what they're doing right now. It's championship or nothing for this NBA squad. JP Dumont has them so focused in uh, on this squad and winning and doing whatever it takes to win. And it is kind of funny seeing him. That's <laughs> okay. Side note, side story here. We're, okay. <laughs> we're, we're at it's game one and JP is doing, he's filling in for Mason. I believe is when he's filling in. But mm-hmm. I forgot he, he was filling. He's filling on either radio or TV. I forgot which one he filled in. Sorry, because I know they sh- shifted everything up there. But I believe it was TV. He's filling in for Chris Mason because uh, Mason's in quarantine, and JP's out there and they're t- talking about how to motivating the kids. And during <laughs> intermission, I was like, "Well, why don't you just yell at him in French?" He's like, "Sometimes <laughs> the French don't work, and they don't know how to speak it." <laughs> <laughs> JP is one heck of a dude. Love that oh, guy. That's great. He's so great for hockey in this community. He is intense. He is an intense human being behind the bench. All right, Glenn. Well, we have some questions. In the best way. In the The best best way. Especially in empty arenas, you can hear everything he's saying. If you speak French, then you're probably blushing with what you're hearing. (laughs) Uh, So we do have some questions that came in. This one comes from Pat Clark. How did you spend your Tuesday evening? No specific reason for asking. For those that don't know, Pat is from uh, Durham, North Carolina, and is obviously a big Hurricanes fan as well. So I know they're a little bummed. So Glenn, how did you yeah. spend your Tuesday evening? Um, I It was like incredibly eventful. Um, I was at home with my cat. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I actually got home from the hair salon late because my hair girl saw me when nobody else was there so that we could be COVID friendly. Um, And she did my hair and then I came home late and hung out with my cat. (laughs) The theme here. Watched a little Netflix and went to bed. Wow. That's, that's exhilarating. I know. Like I'm exhausted from it. I'm exhausted. What did you do on your Tuesday night, Justin? (laughs) On my Tuesday night, let's see, did some work. Then Mm -hmm. I, cooked some kielbasa from porter road you cook some what kielbasa <laughs> <laughs> some kielbasa uh, in the in the air fryer I wanted to see how the air fryer could handle kielbasa and it was delicious so did that with some grilled asparagus or sorry okay. baked asparagus got it nice and crispy with some olive oil and nice. also some just vegetables some carrots and broccoli and cauliflower so it was a nice overall healthy meal well that is that sounds delicious i would yeah. love for you to come cook for me um <laughs> Are you one of those air fryer snobs or are you one of the ones that's like, hey, yeah, I think you would enjoy this. I think you should try it. Or are you looking down on people that don't have them? Because you know those are out there. They're out there. I'm definitely not like that. I'm just loving okay. that the ability to have I'm, this. Yeah. And and I got this for Christmas from, from Alex. And I love it, it. It also is a pressure cooker as well. Oh, that's so great. Really See, I'm considering, I'm, I'm thinking, not even considering, I'm going to get one. I just yeah, haven't yet. Um, because handy. there's no reason not to. They're but so yeah. handy, and it's a great way to get things crispy without deep frying, especially because yeah. not many people own deep fryers or have the oil or the capacity to carry that much oil for deep frying stuff right now. Or the patience to even deep fry. Or the I've patience. Tried it once and, I don't and it's a mess, it. and it's not as good for you, obviously. I mean, I'm not one to talk. I'm a hefty dude. But <laughs> but it's one of those things that makes you feel better, too, when you're cooking that way, because a lot of the fat can the fat that you don't need drips away. But I love yeah. cooking in my air fryer. I'm not a snob about it. I just love looking up different recipes and how to do things. I will say this. Here's an air fryer failure. Failure. Mm-hmm. I also baked the cake last night, 
but in, in the air fryer <laughs> yeah hold on it has a bake setting that you're supposed to be able to bake cakes in and it, so I, I did there's two circle pans and mm-hmm. i did one in the oven in the convection oven so it's actually the toaster oven but it's convection oven because you don't okay. need to hook up the heat up the big oven yeah and i was like i'll do one here and i'll do one in the air fryer to see how it compares so i did the bake feature and i put it in there and that sucker baked for like 20 minutes and there's a swirl on top because you know air fryer has the fan that's what keeps it going uh-huh. flowing the, the, uh-huh. the air and in the bottom it wasn't fully cooked yet and this is after 25 minutes i pulled the toothpick out and nothing came out in the toothpick either and so i flipped it over try to flip it out of the bin from the air fryer and splat <laughs> Oh, everywhere. So then I took what was left in some of the batter and I put it in the bottom of the pan from the other cake and re- and finished baking it. And it turned out with a nice little swirl because I put in chocolate chips into the cake, okay. this French vanilla cake. And it looked like I meant to do the swirl. <laughs> so so like, you're so fancy. Yep. So fancy. I'm so trying fancy. to think of I'm trying to think of what I would have learned off a great British baking show during oh, the man. pandemic. <laughs> Science behind why it didn't work in the air fryer. Right. <laughs> so this one, this one comes from Brandon Alter. If you could only pick one, what iconic Predators moment would you place the Bernie sitting alone meme? For those of you that don't <laughs> know this, it's it's directly from today from the inauguration, but it is Bernie Sanders. And it is hilarious no matter what you believe or follow of him sitting with his legs crossed, arms crossed with the jacket, everything. The just, same jacket he wore like a long, long time see. ago. Yeah, that the meme that we see. I'm asking and, for your help. <laughs> and homemade homemade mittens. Um, and he, he just looks like someone who's sitting there that like is at brunch outside that it's freezing cold and your friends made you come and you don't want to be there anymore. <laughs> That's what it looks like. So that's a very good question. Um, Do you have what comes to your mind right off the bat? I think for me, um, just his entire mood in that photo was honestly me when (laughs) in the Stanley Cup final um, game six, when the Penguins hoisted the cup and so many, so many Preds fans in my section left. And I sat there in my seat with my arms crossed and folded and I didn't want to leave the arena. (laughs) I just wanted to sit there. I wanted to watch the whole thing. Just, I don't know, maybe a glutton for punishment, but I didn't, I didn't want to leave the arena that night because I was like, maybe somehow this can turn out differently. And it didn't, but I sat there like Bernie Sanders with my mittens on and hope that it would have. (laughs) Uh, So my my moment would be uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. and the Stanley Cup playoffs when the turnover happened. Okay. <laughs> and just sitting there like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> they had the lead. They yep. had the lead. They had the lead. They had the lead. They had the lead. They had <laughs> the lead. That's what... <laughs> all I'm telling you is they had the lead. They had the lead. That's that's that what that, I think yours is great too. They're both really good ones that I'm sure make some Predators fans go, ugh. Really? Anything. Well, you could also flip it and say, you know, like that was a Red Wings fan in the oh, crowd yeah. in front of the glass when Shea Weber oh, God. and Zetterberg's head on the glass. That Jeez. was a Wings fan sitting there with their mittens on like, I can't believe this is happened. I can't believe it did. <laughs> I can't believe what I'm show. seeing. <laughs> okay, last question is from uh, Dustin. He's from DMAGS30. Uh, Pecorine, Hall of Famer or just fan favorite? Hmm. So the, the way I'm going to answer this question, Pecorine obviously deserves to be in a ring of honor for the natural predators. He deserves to have his number retired by the natural predators. And if it were me, I would be totally fine with him being in the hockey hall of fame. 
The problem is they're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame unless he wins a cup. Mm -hmm. He's got to win a cup because there are other goaltenders that are not in the Hall of Fame that have even better credentials than him overall, and they're not in. It's really difficult as a goaltender because they're just not putting him in because there's so many different skaters out there that need to pop in there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very difficult for him to even get looked at to be in there without a Stanley Cup victory to his resume. Vezina is great, multiple times finishing in the top three with the Vezina votes, fine, but he's got to win that Stanley Cup, and that's going to be the difficult thing is that he so far is the best player the Predators have ever produced and still not able to be there because no Stanley Cup. Yeah, that makes it tricky because he is so far beyond a fan favorite, um, in my opinion, but you know, three Vesna finalists and then winning it in 2018, unfortunately for the league is not enough. Um, so I personally say, yes, he's definitely beyond a fan favorite, but the way that the league works is I don't see him putting it. I don't see him going in there unless, like you said, but even, even one Stanley cup win, you, you don't, that's it's not going to be tough in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it wouldn't be guaranteed. It'd still be difficult. Yeah, I think tricky. it's one of those things that he might not be first ballot, but he'd definitely mm -hmm. get looked at in the future because there's plenty of players that aren't in there. I mean, Alexander McGillney comes to my yeah. mind. Shout out to Jeremy Kegover. He, he's not just he, about to do that. <laughs> yeah, he's not in there, and he absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, so the, that's just the way the voters are, and who knows? Things could change as generations change and the way they evaluate things. But Pecorine is one of the greatest to that have played the game and make fun of him about – other things like him choking in playoffs, da 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 da, all the different kind of stuff. What he's accomplished in his career with wins and everything, he is one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. One of. There's multiples. Yep. I'm not saying he's top three necessarily. He's just one of the greatest. And it's, you can say that when there's 31 starters a season. Exactly. And, yeah. and what's and how, how many people, different goaltenders have played the game? Yeah, a lot of people outside of Nashville will say that same thing. Um, right. They they know what he brings to this organization, and it's. It's just unfortunate that not everybody in this league that is insanely talented makes it to the Hall of Fame. Absolutely right. Well, Glenn, let's see if we have other games to talk about next week. <laughs> oh, we'll so, hope. Let's so put we'll, it out in the universe. We will have plenty to discuss. We'll have plenty to discuss next week. Remember, folks, PenaltyBoxRadio.com for interviews and videos and podcasts, multiple podcasts in the PBR network that you can listen to, fantasy hockey shows, all these different things. Everybody's coming back. The band's back together for bringing your podcast to you and videos, high school hockey coverage. Stream those games as well on Penalty Box Radio Facebook. You can stream GNASH high school hockey games at the playoffs. That season will come to a close the second week of February. So, so much hockey coverage on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Big thanks to producer Max. And thanks as always to you, Glenn. Appreciate you as always. You too, JB. All right, folks. I'm Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penny. Yeah, bleh, bleh. <laughs> I'm Justin Thank Bradford. You for listening to Penalty Box Radio. He's Justin Bradford. I'm Glenn Blackwell. Good night. <laughs>